0: This morning we want to speak on the subject, what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. Just for an opening, Second Chronicles 20 and verse 12. <clears throat> o our God, wilt thou not judge them? for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Let's just pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Lord Jesus your only begotten Son. Thank you for his precious blood. We thank you, Lord, you have not left us alone, but neither have you left us bereft. Thank you, Lord, you have left your spirit, and he lives and knows who know the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, Lord, we thank you for your presence, and we ask you now, Lord, to use this message, Lord, has been prepared on whatever else you would lay upon this man's heart. Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth, to break the bread of life, and to divide it to the people that everyone may receive something to the full, and that, oh God, that Christ would be glorified, and Lord, may we fall in love with him all over again. May we rejoice in him, and may he... Receive the glory, for he alone deserves the glory. Bless those who are here, those who are with the children, those in the creches. We ask the Lord to give them their portion and bless those who are watching. My Father, settle us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Jehoshaphat is king in Jerusalem over the kingdom of Judah and a great multitude of an enemy comes against them. There's a big confederate or conglomerate of people come against Jehoshaphat and the people of Jerusalem and Judah. Notice what it says here in verses 1 and 2. And it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great notice, multitude against thee. There cometh a great multitude against the people, but they have now come. Certain people come and say, It's against you, Jehoshaphat. You see, if you smite the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. It's the same in every portion and part of leadership, whether it be a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher or whatever. And it is, it's a case of when you smite the shepherd, or here as it were, if they can get the king, like a game of chess, then it's game over. So really, yes, they want the people to enslave them, but they want the leader to kill him, to finish him off. Notice, then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, there cometh a great multitude against thee. Now notice verse 3, what it says, and Jehoshaphat feared. And Jehoshaphat feared. I was thinking about this, brothers and sisters, about how we can fear, and when we fear, our thinking goes, our mindset changes, our actions, our moods—all everything changes about us when we start to fear. We don't think right. So here's something to think about. Before you take someone's word on an issue as absolute truth, go and see and search out the issue for yourself. Because that word that they bring may not be the word that you would see it as. Let me go a little further. Do this before a judgmental spirit comes to your mind, before an angry or disappointed or a fearful heart comes to the fore, search out the truth. These men come to Jehoshaphat and they bring him word of an enemy. They bring him word of a great multitude of an enemy and he fears. Really, Jehoshaphat should have went to see to find out for himself. You find this can happen in all of our lives. And it can happen when we hear or, or someone brings us a word and, and we, we can start to get annoyed about it. And we can start to feel threatened in it. We can start to feel anxious about it. And then it starts to change us. Notice, it is better to know the problem and to look the enemy, as it were, in the face or the, the problem square in the eye than to take the first report and dwell on it until it brings you into anxiety and fear. So you're better to find out. And here's why. Listen to what Smith Wigglesworth, the old Pentecostal preacher, said. The devil knows if he can capture your thought life, he has won a mighty victory over you. The devil knows that if he can capture your thought life, he has won a mighty victory over you. Notice this. Your action, your reaction changes as you scramble because you don't know what to do. So what to do when you don't know what to do? What do you do? When you don't know what to do. Verse 12 gives us the answer. Verse 12 gives us the answer. And it is eventually. Jehoshaphat's answer. Notice at the end of the verse. The great company cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. We don't know what to do Lord. Now here's your answer. Here's what to do. When you don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Peter walking on the water was walking on what others sink in. And the wind and the waves became boisterous. They came around him. And when the wind and the waves came boisterous and around him, he took his eyes off the Lord and began to sink. And he cried, Lord, save me. And the Lord rescued him. You see, when we don't know what to do, we t- Many of us take our eyes off the Lord. And we go into a tailspin. We can go into a depression. We can go into a way where our mind would even lie and play tricks on us. Always find out. Go and see the truth of the matter for you might see it differently than the report that you got. Don't let the devil take your mind Use your thoughts. Because if he takes your mind and use your thoughts, he will soon direct your body and your actions. Now these messengers who came to warn King Jehoshaphat were in all likelihood coming because they were faithful to the king. Want to tell the king what's happening? We're faithful to the king. But in all honesty, they were probably more fearful in themselves. Notice, faithful or fearful. Faithful or fearful. Whatever it is this morning with you, you don't know what to do. Are you faithful or fearful? If you're faithful, it means surely that you're full of faith. Faithful. But if you're fearful, it means you are full of fear. Fearful. Faithful or fearful. Now note this. What these messengers saw was real. I'm going to say it again. What these messengers saw was real. It was a great multitude. They weren't lying, it was real. But how they saw wasn't necessarily true as how to Jehoshaphat might have seen it. There are things in your life and in mine and all of our lives, and you know, some of you might be fearful over one thing, Or worried or concerned. Where it might not bother another. But to come and to put that fear. And to bring it to you. You must find out what that fear is. What is the enemy in this. What is the problem in this. Or whatever it may be that is coming against that person. If they say, well they are coming for you. Some months ago. um, Quite a few months ago now. I had someone at my door, and they asked you to speak to me. And I brought them in, and I was sitting with them for a couple of hours in my study. We were talking about this one and that one, and the trouble they were having with a certain ministry, and what was going on with it, and, and, I, and how they, were, they didn't know what to do, and they were hurt about it. And I was trying to give them an outside perspective of it, but they didn't get the answer that I was giving them. Not the one they wanted. And so they says, "Ah, but where do I hear? Where do I tell you what they think about you? Where do I tell you what they think about you? Where do I tell you what they said about you?" So I listened. I thanked them for letting me know that, and I just let it go. Because what they had feared in, when I seen it, it didn't fear me what they thought about me. So here's the problem. Here's the issue. We get to a place because we don't know what to do. So what do we do? What did I do? What did I tell this man to do? I told him to go home and pray. I told him to go home and repent of his own pride. And get himself right with God, and I says if in this issue, and when you do this, you'll find things will change for you. If you don't know what to do, what to do when you don't know what to do, and keep your eyes on the Lord, and keep your eyes on Christ. Notice here, Jehoshaphat listened to fearful voices. Jehoshaphat listened to fearful voices. Jehoshaphat listened to negativity, to their negative words. Remember, our pastor once said to me, "Son, if you let your ear be a trash can for everyone, you're going to get your head full of rubbish." you're going to get your head full of rubbish. Notice here, it says, on Jehoshaphat feared. Jehoshaphat feared. Now, fear breeds fear. Remember all you heard through the media recently? Social media everywhere was fear, 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 fear. In fact, I was talking... To another pastor just last week if I remember right and he was talking about these sort of things and he says about oh all our people were afraid I said well our people weren't afraid he says why were your people not afraid I says because I told them not to and we preached no fear so they weren't afraid fear breeds fear And your company matters. And it brings you to a place where you will not know what to do. Can I ask you, if fear breeds fear, who's your feeder? Who is your feeder and who is your breeder? Since fear brings fear. You know, they say that animals, dogs, for example, can smell fear. They can latch on to fear. And if you're fearful, they say that some animals may attack because you're fearful to be dominant over you. Is it any wonder when fear bred fear that even when we're speaking about coronavirus and all of these things, and everybody was talking about fear, 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 fear everywhere. Do you realize that there were people who were breeding fear? And is it any wonder that so many would fall ill under things? You go to the doctors and he tells you, uh, I'm going to do tests. And you start to fear right away. What's a test for? And then you're home and you're all over the place and you don't know what to do. Jehoshaphat says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, Lord. My eyes are on you, Lord. You're going to lose your job. You don't know what to do. My eyes are on you, Lord. You have to go for treatment. You don't know what to do. My eyes are on you, Lord. You're finding life tough, life hard, and things are always an uphill struggle. My eyes are on you, Lord. I don't know what to do. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? Keep your eyes on him. Now that's very, very simplified, isn't it? It's very easy to say these things. Notice, fear breeds fear. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, 17, pardon me, all of us will know this, I'm sure. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Would you say fear? Now would you say, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear? Okay, now you believer, you've read out the word of God. What do you do? It might be health, wealth, it might be your your circumstance, it might be different things, different Enemies and devils and demons, whatever else is coming against you. It might be any of these things. It might be uh, secular. It might be spiritual. Whatever it is, and you don't know what to do. You have read the word of God, for God hath not given you the spirit. The word spirit is pneuma. It's where we get our word pneumatic from. As in the Holy Spirit is a pneuma. The pneumatic, you know, you see the pneumatic, it drives. God has given, not given us a, a driving spirit of fear. He's not given us that. So if God hasn't given you that, and you're worried and you're fearful about meeting needs and whatever else, listen, if God hasn't given you that, then who has? If God hasn't given you that spirit of fear, who has? Who has the enemy used to give you it? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. See the word fear here while we're here. It's a word dylea. It means timidity, but it also means cowardice and fearfulness. God has not given us this mindset of spirit, of cowardice, and timidity. Fearfulness. In Leviticus 26 and verse 36. If you want to turn or you can wait and I'll read it out to you. In the Septuagint, this is the way it reads. The Septuagint is your Old Testament written in Greek. If you're ever studying and you see beside it, LXX, that means Septuagint, if you're studying, for those who would look it up. Leviticus 26, verse 36. And the Lord says unto Israel, if you walk contrary to me, I will walk contrary to you and punish you seven times more for your sins. Notice what it says in verse 36. And upon them that are alive of you, I will send a faintness into their hearts. In the land of their enemies. Notice the sound of a shaking leaf shall chase them. And they shall flee. As fleeing from a sword. And they shall fall when none perish. The Lord is saying Israel look. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. But if you don't listen to my word and walk with me. But rather you walk contrary to me. He says then. I'll give you a spirit of fear. You can can look at this, or pardon me, faintfulness. And I'll give you the spirit where you'll have fainting in your heart until you turn around and do the right thing. Even the shaking of a leaf will cause you to run like a man chasing you with a sword. And many of God's people are like this. Not a spirit of fear, but a fainting in their heart. Simply because they're disobeying the word of God. They're disobeying the leading of the Lord. And a shaking of a leaf will cause them to fear. What about when the Lord says unto you, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We just ram it off, but, but do we mean it? Do we, or pardon me, do we believe it? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And back to front, it's the same They forsake, nor they leave, never will I. So the Lord has said it back to front and front to backwards. Do we believe that when we're on our own? Do we believe that when we're struggling? Do we believe that when we're facing something? Do we believe that when we don't know what to do? And the Lord says, but sure, I've told you, I will never leave you. Lord, I've got this exam to do. I've got this test to do. The doctor's put me through examinations. And I've to go and hear this news, my job. My, uh, I don't know what to do with this, that, and the other. And the finances aren't great. All of these things. And the Lord says, what are you afraid of? I said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never and the words never goes, never, 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 never. It's an improper verb in the Greek text. I'll never, 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 never leave you, says the Lord. I will never, 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 never forsake you, says the Lord. Not time we took him at his word. When we don't know what to do, what do we do? Our eyes are upon you. Lord, I've got an illness and they said it it could get worse and degenerate and all this sort of stuff. And look, that's natural for us all. It's natural for us all. It's a built in thing for fear to come because there's a healthy fear and an unhealthy fear. And it's natural that way. But but Lord, I've got this. You know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? Why take ye thought for the morrow? And the idea is, why are you anxiously worried and thinking about tomorrow? Do you not know that the Lord is in your tomorrow before you reach your tomorrow? Do you not realize that God's way ahead of us? That he's in your tomorrow before you get there? For God hath not given us the spirit of fear but of power, dunamis, of love, agape, and of a sound mind, phronismos. And listen what it means. The soundness of mind. So fronismos to call to admonishment, to call to a soundness of mind, to call to moderation and self-control. Notice. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Even the sound of it. Fear. Dylea. Do you know this word for fear? Now fear is throughout the scripture. But this word here for fear, dylea. Do you realize it's only used once in the whole of the New Testament? And this is it. God says, I didn't give you this. I didn't give you this. There's times when I'm I'm stressed, don't know what to do, and I'm trying to see the Lord past everything. Lord, I'm keeping my eyes on you. Where did you go there? He doesn't want anywhere. I'm trying to see past I'm, I'm trying to look to the future to have vision for the, the assembly, for the church. I'm trying to have vision to where we go next. And I'm trying to have vision to, of, of, of how we can do this and how we could even afford this. And sometimes I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about it. And, and the numbers are talking up my, in my mind and in my head. And sometimes I will go, Lord, I don't know what to do. I've even said to the Lord sometimes with pressures of the church. I've went and I've up to the Lord and I've says, Lord... I can't carry this anymore. I can't carry this anymore. And every time I've done it, because I've done it more than once, he says, I never asked you to. I haven't told you to carry that. He said, I'll build my church. I will build it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what do we do when we don't know what to do? Is to keep our eyes on the Lord, and even if he seems out of sight, realize God hasn't went away anywhere. Do you know who's walked away? Do you know who's stepped to the side? Do you know who's took his eyes off who? You and me. Stepped to the side, walked away, in heart and mind and thought and deed. And that's when we lose sight of Christ. But Christ will never lose sight of you. The Lord will never lose sight of you. We have a, God has not given us the spirit of fear, uh, uh, and at the end of it, He calls us to a sophronimos, uh, a soundness of mind. The voice calls through all of that mess to me when I'm in prayer, when I'm out walking the dog and talking to him, and. Saying, Lord, well, I don't know what to do with this. And, and it gets through all my... He has to cut through the nonsense and, the, uh, uh, and, and the, the concerns and even the anxiety and the stress of it all. And he has to cut through it all. And my own thinking, my stinking thinking. And he cuts through it and he says to me, I'm going to call you, first of all, to a soundness of mind. Because see if you're not in a soundness of mind in the sense where you've got your eyes back on the Lord. Things are never going to change. Things are never going to develop. Fruit will never be born. So there is a healthy fear and an unhealthy fear when we don't know what to do. Let me give an example. I, I've given it before a few, oh, a few years ago. I'll give it again. So when you go out and you come to a busy road, I know our American friends look the other way, so I don't want to, just in case they go and look the other way at a road, they'll get knocked down. So we're talking about on our roads here. You know, we come to the end of the curb, the footpath. We look to our right. We look to the left. Can we make it across the road? We look to the right, left, right, and the left. Because you don't want to get run over. You could get killed, seriously injured, and hurt. And that's a healthy fear. That's healthy. That's healthy. But then there are those who would come to the edge of the road and look up to the right and up to the left and up to the right and up to the left. And even if there's no cars, never cross the road because of a fear. They're afraid to go across. People are afraid to go out of the house. And these are all genuine to these people because they're a fear. They're genuine. And it might not look that much to you, and it might not seem much to me at times, but we have to meet them where that fear is and point them to Christ. I I would like to leave the house, but I can't because I don't know what to do. Keep your eyes on the Lord and come on, we'll come out. I can't cross that road of, I'm fearful. Well, Well, let's walk together. Keep your eyes on the Lord and let's go together. So what to do when you don't know what to do? A healthy fear, and there's an unhealthy fear. Listen to William Gurnall, an old Puritan. Listen to what he said. The saints often feed their hopes on the carcasses of their slain fears. The saints often feed their hopes on the carcasses of their slain fears. In other words, they have seen how they've got the victory in Christ, they've seen them overcoming in Christ, they have seen themselves where God has brought them over and across. They have overcome and they have not been under overwhelmed. And hence, when they get the victory from this, as they move on to the next one, they feed themselves as it were, He is the same, so He can take me further. I have managed to get across here in the grace of God so I can manage to get across this one. I have defeated this one. It's like David comes to Saul when Goliath is taunting Israel and he says, I have fought a lion and a bear. You're not going to be able to fight this giant, this big giant. Everybody in Israel is afraid of him. I have fought a lion and a bear. He's feeding on his slain fears. He's feeding on it. I have done this, and I've done this in the power of God. This this Goliath, I'm going to floor him and cut off his head. It's time, brothers and sisters, to feed your fears. Or pardon me, feed yourself on the slain fears. I've done this and I'm going to cut off the head of this giant before me. I'm going to press on and I'm not going to go under. I'm going to make it in Jesus' name. I'm going to be victorious. I'm going to be an overcomer in Christ. I'm going to feed on this. You've got me through before, Lord. You've healed my body before, Lord. You've touched me in my heart and my mind before, Lord. I'm not going to stay in this place... We talk to people sometimes, even with deep depression or whatever uh, uh, may be wrong with them at the time, and they say, This is the place, I don't want to stay in this place. I don't want to stay here. I feel I'm going to be here forever. No, you're not. It's a lie. It's a fear. God has not given you that spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Pastor, do you ever get down? Absolutely. Every Monday. Do you ever feel depressed? Absolutely. Every Monday. And I get my migraine every Monday too to go with it. Just being open with you and honest. But we feed ourselves on the times we have been victorious and come through them before that this one, this giant, the lion and the bear, this giant, this mountain to climb. This valley to go across, to traverse. This sea is too deep for me to to walk in. Yeah, but you can always swim. So, Brothers and sisters, fear breeds fear. Who's feeding you? What's feeding you? So what to do when you don't know what to do? Here's what I've written a few things down. Time's almost gone. First of all, stop listening to negative and argumentative, fearful voices. It'll drag you down. It'll drag you down. In other words, watch your company. Stop feeding from them. Stop taking the first report from it. You see, Jehoshaphat feared at the report. But then he realized he goes to the Lord in fear. And as you go through the chapter, he starts praising God for his greatness. And all of a sudden, I still don't know what to do, but I'm going to keep my eyes on you. And this is what happens. The word of God came. The spirit of the Lord brought the word. Stop listening to negative and argumentative fearful voices my my mic keeps dropping off my coat hold on off my tie stop feeding from them stop being your feeder stop them from being your feeder and your breeder and you might say i've sought the lord and i've heard nothing from him for a long time listen Here's what I've written just in the margin this morning when I get up early to think about this. What will I do? Do nothing till you hear from God. The last command where the Lord told you to be, stay at your post. Then Solomon heard from God. And in verse 12 he says, I'm keeping my eyes on thee. Don't allow stinking thinking down to your mind. Don't allow the unknown to drive your emotions. Don't allow the unknown to drive your emotions. Well, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Nothing wrong with that, but when you're in Christ, we know who holds tomorrow. Take no thought for the morrow. Jesus says you can't add one cubit to your stature. By worrying and being fearful, isn't that what he said? What am I? I used to be 5 foot 11. I think I've shrunk. I'm about five ten and a half and a half now. I wanted to go up the way, not down. I wanted to be 6. But if I had worried about it all my life, I wasn't going to worry myself 6 foot tall. I wouldn't worry myself to 6 foot tall, but rather worry, stress, and fear bring sickness, spirits, illness to you. Don't allow the unknown to drive your emotions. Here's what I've written. Sometimes we do not have a fear of the unknown, or it's not so much we have a fear of the unknown, but it's more we fear giving up what is known and what we think we are in control of. You get on an airplane, the man takes you to holidays, the pilot flies you out. Isn't that right? The pilot you're not flying the plane. I used to be very fearful of flying. still don't like it, but I go if I need to. But I used to be really fearful of flying. And one pastor sat me down one time and says, Ken, why are you so fearful of flying? I says, well, probably because you can fall from 35,000 feet. He says, do you think that that pilot and the cabin crew don't want to make it home? They want to make it home just as much as you want to make it home. He says, you know what your problem is? And it was like a dagger going through me. I says, what is it? He says, because you're not in the control of the plane. Because you're not in control of the plane. He says, so if you get control of the plane, can you fly any better than the pilot? I said, no. He says, maybe you need to think that next time you go flying. He's better in the seat than you are. So one time I'm sitting beside him in a plane. And the turbulence comes. You're up and down. Tied in the seat belt and your your head will be through the ceiling only. You've got the belt on. And he said, I was one time flying, he says, and someone was afraid. And I told him, don't worry, the Lord has a purpose for my life and it's not over yet. I said well that's great and he says well you know he says so don't worry Ken the Lord has a purpose for my life and it's not over yet I says I will he says so if I crash I still believe I'll live on because God, until God tells me I'm going home I'm not going home I says well you know what you could fall from here I says and you'd bounce off a tree and land in the soft dirt I says and you'd be alright and i end up hitting the rocks <laughs> all how you look at it is a negativity it was a negativity all negative I'm a lot better now, by the way. I had to give that that over to God. (laughs) Listen, fear can keep us up all night long. But with faith, it makes us one soft pillow. When you go to sleep and you're going, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, and you're worried about things, and listen, I'm a bad sleeper, but I can't sleep, I can't sleep. Listen. See, when you do sleep, you have more faith when you do sleep because you don't know if you're going to wake up again. Isn't that true? You're going to sleep and you don't know if you'll wake up again. None of us are promised it. But in faith we go to sleep. That's what we want. But we think we're keeping ourselves alive. We think we're keeping ourselves in good health. We think we're keeping ourselves in everything we need. And so we don't sleep. <laughs> Let me round this up. Time's gone. What to do when you don't know what to do? In verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared and he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Here's what I want to ask you. So he sets himself to seek the Lord and proclaims a fast. Have you brought it to the Lord? And have you brought the Lord into it? a side note and I have to stop I haven't time to go into this but if the enemy is at the gate it might be because there's sin in the camp and becomes a hindrance to yourself if the enemy is at the gate it might be because there's sin in the camp it becomes a hindrance to yourself and God is allowing so much to happen listen the devil can't touch you without your father's permission So then we have to rest our head on the pillow of God's sovereignty. Then, Lord, you know best for me. So rounding a lot up. Thomas Watson said, Friendship is a marriage of affections. Your feeder takes your affections. Your breeder takes your affections. And You become close until you're married to it. You're married to that fear. You're married to that negativity. You're married to that person in the sense where you become one in it. So what to do when you don't know what to do? First of all, be a doer of the word of God and not a hearer only. It's your best thing. What does God's word say? And do it. Secondly, have a teachable spirit. Have a teachable spirit. Thirdly, avail of the godly wisdom God has set in his church. Fourthly, avail of the ministry suited to your needs. Listen, The sheep or the cattle aren't fed unless they come when the the farmer calls. I can't feed you if you're not here. I can't feed you if you're not here. But there are also other ministries. People say, well, like a ministry about this or about a ministry about that. Listen, we have a ministry for people who are uh, in mourning. Go and see June Seyford. Aveil of that. We have a ministry for ladies who really need someone to pray with them, pray over them, and just work with them. And then. See, Jackie and Tara. It's there. It's all here. Avail of the ministry. We don't know what to do when we don't know what to do. Use what God has put in his church. I'm just calling them out because people recently have talked to me about these things. There's so many other things that you can avail of. What to do when you don't know what to do? Realize God is bigger than every enemy and fear you have. Realize your father loves you. And he's bigger and he's greater than everything against you. Fear can be false evidence appearing real. Faith is forsaking all. I trust him. It's what to do when you don't know what to do. I'd love to have read through that chapter with you. We just hadn't time. You, look at, you read that chapter. He worships. Listen, Joseph had fears and he starts to seek the Lord. It goes from there till he worships God. He tells God what how great and wonderful he is. He worships him. And then he says, I still don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And then it says, the spirit of the Lord came and spoke. And the word of God came and spoke. So read that chapter. Read the first 19 verses anyway. And ask God to speak to you in it first glory. God bless us. Team, would you come up, please?